Life's a Mitch. Alrighty. G'day, guys. Welcome back to another episode of uh, Life's a Mitch podcast. Another special episode today. We um, so this my next guest is is an Australian celebrity. He um, he's got one of the incredible incredible list of bona fides in the entertainment industry. He's a rapper, an author, a podcaster, producer, a writer, and he's many many more things. A stand up comic and all all around a handsome gentleman. I'd like to introduce Mr. Matt O'Kine. How are you, sir? Mitch, I'm very excited to be on your podcast. I mean, I think I heard about this podcast before most, I'd say. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're true. a guest on my podcast, and then uh, and then you know you mentioned that you're going to make a podcast, and lo and behold, it actually happens. You know, a lot of people say they're going to do a podcast and they don't do shit. You know, yeah. so the fact that we're here is pretty impressive, and half the reason why I'm on. You know, well, it was it's interesting you say that because. You know, a bit of a backstory. I, I appeared on Matt and Alex's All Day Breakfast podcast. Shout outs to your co-host, Daiso. How are you, champ? And um, yeah, talk himself. <laughs> so the, the, the story goes, okay, I just got to relax a bit, Mitch, a bit nervous, a bit nervous, calming, okay. calming the nerves. And um, yeah, so this, no, I mean, go, go for it. Do whatever you need to do. You know, I went to drama school and we did a whole range of ridiculous exercises to to calm the nerves, including talking to the nerves themselves you know oh. just saying hey it's called addressing the demons you know talking to them and being like hey i know you're trying to throw me off my game here but i just need to get this done so we'll, we'll i'll talk to you later you know that's basically <laughs> what that was all about but anyway go on you remember those like the old days on msn messenger where you just put your status to unavailable and like <laughs> no I, I didn't know what on msn man is i i um i, I was i'm too young for that <laughs> well um i used to i used to go on msn all the time did you were you icq man as well never used icq i was msn then i was a myspace man and omegle back in the day <laughs> um wait was omegle the the random chat yeah i was oh yeah there's a oh, that's sus as bro oof, that's probably explains why so the backstory is i wrote into all day breakfast because i've been a listener of yours since day dot and i listened to you on triple j mornings when you were doing it back in 20 circa 2014 and we'll talk about like your, your timeline shortly and share some stories as that's what this podcast is about but essentially what i did was i, I ran out of likes on tinder i was like oh for fuck's sake <laughs> this is ridiculous <laughs> and um as you said on there it reeks of desperation i still can't get the stench <laughs> out of my sheets man it's ridiculous <laughs> so I, I wrote into this show and said look um if you want some content, I'm just a guy from Curry Curry. Play so shit, they named it twice. Um, if I'm, I'm a single guy trying to find a nice lady, and uh, lo and behold, a few days later, producer Bron, shout out to you, Bron, she, uh, she contacted me and she said, oh, the guys want to have a chat with you. And I said, oh, really? Wow. They must be scraping the barrel here. Oh, look, the bar's <laughs> low, mate. Honestly, any anyone who writes in will we'll give you a chance. <laughs> no, nah, but it was it was awesome, man. I mean, that's part of what it that's part of what it is. You know, you've got to you've got to kind of put yourself out there in any situation. Yeah, and so you know we got on and did a bit of profile on me. I made you giggle a few times, you know, humble brag. Yeah. And I got set up with like, you put the court and then a lady by the name of Poppy wrote in and uh, sure enough, she, she was profiled and um, we had a zoom date uh, the following day which uh, it resulted in Osher Gunsberg coming on and was, it was sort of, <laughs> yeah, it was right. sort of like, holy shit. And um, <laughs> he was talking about the majestic cooker bar and cook in curry curry. I'm like, bro, if only you'd been to this shithole, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, so we, we had that and we actually met 
a few weeks later. She just come up from Victoria after the first round of lockdown down there. And we, we, we hung out for the day and we had lunch in the vineyards and stuff like, but there was no spark there. And you know, it's all good. She's a nice girl. And we just, Hey, that's life. I mean, you gave it a shot and not every, um, not every, you know, attempt you make is going to be a winner, but it's, you gotta, gotta be in it to win it. So that was the main thing. That's it. And it made for some good content later on. So even if, only... yeah, look, you saved our bacon for a couple of uh, episodes. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, gave us something to talk about. I mean, that's the thing daily, daily radio shows or podcasts, you know, you, it's not, you just learn to make the most out of any story or situation that, that you get. So when someone like yourself just puts forward an idea, you just run with it because there's no, there's no topic too little that you can't get really interesting stuff from. And, you know, and, and that one message that you sent has turned into several episodes of our, of our podcast and now an episode of your podcast. Yeah. And that's, you know, so you didn't find love with Poppy, Mitch, but, you know, you found love with Matt and Alex because now we've had a relationship for going on a year now. <laughs> I, I just remember hearing that the, the promo matt and alex love makers i'm like oh for fuck's sake what a- <laughs> oh, yeah that's right yeah uh, maybe it's one of marshy's <laughs> finest good on you marshy um but it was it was interesting and you know i had heaps of friends listening and i had a giggle and i thought you know what i've always loved the limelight but we'll get to that in a minute so as as everyone knows this this podcast involves good storytelling so you know, Matt's a stand-up comic. Um, he's a he's got his other show on stand. The other guy, not your other show. You got a show on stand. The other guy. The you're a, a former Triple J Breakfast host, and uh, you've done many things in between. And you're a you're a rapper with the recent Baller Maker. I know Baller Maker has been around a while, but you recently released an EP. We'll talk about that in a sec. But first question is, when did you discover that you know what I'm going to give stand-up comedy a crack? Were you always told by your peers that you're funny, or where did that all start? Well, um, I'd always wanted to do it. I mean, when I'm looking back through the TV guide back when I was, you know, 12, 13, 11, I remember like the, the best week of the year was the week that Melbourne Comedy Festival was on. Um, and so I used to watch the gala every year and just used to absolutely love it. But, you know, you never know how the hell you're supposed to get into that kind of business, especially when you're that young. Um, I remember seeing some advertisements on uh, the ABC and on Triple J about raw comedy when I was going through high school. Um, I mean, my mum died when I was 12 and that really kickstarted a kind of ideology in me at, at a younger age to just pursue what I wanted to do um, and to take the chances. I think my life would be dramatically different if she was still alive. I think it'd be a much safer life. I think it'd be a much more boring life. Um, and that's a kind of a difficult, uh, you know, I mean, not oxymoron's not the right word for it, but contradiction, I guess, in that you wish someone was always around, you know, and could still be here, but then also you're grateful for the opportunity that them not being around has presented you. And that opportunity is the desire and want to take risks. Um, and you know, that's not just, I'm going to risk hurting myself doing a jump on my BMX. It's you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take risks in which failing is a very real possibility, and um, you know that I'm not gonna let that deter me. So that is probably what prompted me to actually get into it. It didn't take. It took a couple of years for me to follow the dream, though, and that was when I just finished high school, and I decided that I didn't want to do anything academic. Um, my only options would be performance based because that was all I was really good at, and so I enrolled into drama school. And I tried to enroll into raw comedy, but I was, I missed the cutoff by one week. So I entered the week after, I mean, the year after. 
And I ended up winning my heat and then winning my semifinal and then making it to the final and then coming second to a guy, can't remember his name, Tyson something, Tyson McMillan maybe. Um, but they took me to the national final instead of Tyson. Humble brag. Um, look at you. <laughs> well, I mean, look, what happened was I think, I believe, and I, and I don't want to say for sure, but I believe what happened was Tyson had been doing material that he'd seen on TV, but I can't be sure of that. So please don't sue me, Tyson. I'm not saying that, that you, um, yeah, that you're a joke thief. I just, that's just what my understanding of the situation. He sounds shit. <laughs> He does or me? No, he does. I've heard. I've seen your. I've seen your stand up three or four times. <laughs> now, nah, look, I remember being blown away by how good it was. You know what 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 Tyson had done. But then I also remember seeing a British comic on TV do exactly the same material um, a few weeks later and going, "Oh, okay, <laughs> okay." So either coincidence or there was some thievery but i mean when you're when you're that new in the game that those sort of mistakes people make those mistakes well it's it's interesting i've just list i looked at a list of your your bona fides and you know you're an award-winning comedian you've you've performed all over the world um and you know so it's you know edinburgh melbourne you know and everywhere else in between i was just curious as to like who were some people that you've come across in your time before about in your days performing that you thought these guys are going to explode and ended up being like huge who was your discovery before they were famous do you reckon well i mean i i couldn't i wouldn't say that i discovered anyone in the sense that i i mean you see people on the up and you go oh damn they're good you know um but like for instance i remember it also works the opposite way. It's like, I remember being completely underwhelmed by people who have just blown up. I remember um, I made the grand final of Raw Comedy in 2004 and I didn't win that state final, but I did come second, like I said, and they took me to the national final. And I did really badly at the national final. So I really wanted to make amends the following year. And I wanted to win the state final of Queensland, which I believe was rightfully mine. And the, that year I came second again in 2005 in the Queensland state final, because there was this random kid. He was young. He wasn't even old enough to be in the club, in the comedy club. Yeah, right. And um, he was just like this sort of rambling little blonde kid talking about being gay um, in Kenmore, in Brisbane. And, and I remember like not, really like being I, I don't even think I listened to his set because I just was like oh here's some teenager that's just fluked their way into this final um and then it was Josh Thomas and he turned into a you know massive superstar and you know for a while there like because he won that year and he absolutely smashed it and we, we became mates in this in sort of the Brisbane scene and we'd see each other, you know, and go and do gigs together and everything like that. And then I remember like probably two years after that, he won best newcomer and then he just skyrocketed. And like Josh was probably the first person who I have felt like a career envy of that um, there was a first, uh, he was probably the first person who, you know, who was, who I felt side by side of one minute and then like just completely left in the dust the next. And so that was the first kind of realization where I was like, oh, am I not good enough? You know? And so that they were definitely, that was definitely a little like that took some education on my behalf to kind of come to grips with the fact that everyone goes on their different pace um, in this, in this journey. And the second time it happened then was with Ronnie Chang. 
So he came up after me, he started after me. And I remember watching him doing these like five minute sets at the comedy store and stuff. And, and like, he was really funny and we became really good friends. But um, then we, then he sort of just, then we did this tour together and he, we both won best newcomer at Melbourne comedy festival. But I remember that festival, he just like sold so many tickets and all the buzz was around him. And suddenly he just like blew up, you know, and he's since sort of left me in the dust as well. Um, But I don't, I'm not jealous because that's, it's like good, you know? So the, it all happening with jo- feeling jealous of Josh in the beginning made me, and learning from that has made me just realize that it like, that you're not competing. No one's competing. Everyone yeah. is just, everyone's, there's more than enough space for everyone to do well, who is good enough to do well. And there's no need to get worried about, you know, how f- far out in front or behind everyone is. Cause yeah, there's no, it's not a race. It's literally just people taking their own time to get from start to finish. Well, yeah, it's kind of like saying, you know, it's, it's like comparing chalk and a Ford laser. It's like, you go, you got, <laughs> you got probably a shit metaphor. It's because I used to have a Ford laser. I was thinking about it today. And it's a shit. Oh, box. I used to have a Holden Astra and I got to <laughs> tell you, I mean, I'm only going to say it on this podcast. I can't say it on my own, but I was very glad to see that gone. Um, <laughs> I've got the Mazzy three now, which I, which, you know, is I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for got a little sunroof in the Mazzy three, but then I'm also going bald. So having the sunroof is, is, can be a bit of a risk when it comes to getting the, the sunburn on the scalp. So that's, that's a pretty depressing, um, middle-aged thing to have to go Mate, through. You, you've got more hair on your head than I do. I mean, <laughs> the blokes at work call me the human toe ball. It's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I'm, and I'm younger than you. I'm, I'm, you know, one of my 31 now. So you, you're going all right, mate. And you're tall. And oh, you're I remember, I remember being on triple J and I remember being called into the boss's office and they were like, yeah, look, mate, you really can't, talk about going bald i mean we're we're supposed to be a youth network try to avoid talking about going bald and i'm like man young people go bald too <laughs> this is true this is true like you could have said well you know we have a, a wide eclectic audience don't just separate one minority come on <laughs> yeah exactly well i gotta speak out for all my receding brothers out there you know <laughs> and receding sisters if they're out there yeah, as well. receding sisters receding everyone you know Everyone can recede. <laughs> so after you, you know, you, you've, you've blown up, you started to win awards for best newcomer and all that sort of thing, touring for a long time. When did you get the call or how did you receive the news that Triple J were interested in putting you on as a host after Tom Ballard? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, I remember Tom Ballard was another guy that who I remember seeing come up. Um, we did a showcase together in 2005 in Mel- at the end of uh, 2005 in Melbourne. And it was a p- showcase for the Melbourne Comedy Festival, what's called Comedy Zone. They choose four four young comics every year to be a part of it. And I remember I smashed this gig, right? And I, I was so happy with myself and they chose someone else. And I remember feeling so dirty about it. Like I really, and I still to this day feel pretty hard done by that decision. They chose someone else and I was really frustrated. But one of the people that they did choose, who I did believe deserved it. Oh, maybe they didn't choose Tom, but Tom was there that day. And Tom was 15 years old. And I remember him blowing everyone away because he was 15, you know, this young kid from Warnable and he was smashing it. Even just to have the confidence to be so good at 15 was incredible. And so, you know, when you see people like that, you're like, man, this guy's got such a future. And I remember a couple of years later, I was sitting um, in um, my girlfriend's like share house at the time. And we were listening to the hottest 100 on Australia day. And I was like, it was like, you know, midday and I was already wasted. And I was probably <laughs> That's common thing, isn't 20, it? <laughs> you know, I was, I would have been like 24 or something. And I remember listening 
Oh no! It, no, sorry. It got to like seven a seven p.m. when the top twenty was on, and I was wasted. And um, and Tom Ballard and Alex Dyson came on to host the top twenty because they were about to start breakfast the next year. And I remember thinking that was another one where I was like, "Oh man, this guy has just gone absolutely zoomed ahead of me in this in this world." Um, and I, when that happened, when I heard Tom Ballard in that role, I remember vividly thinking, "Well, I will never have that job." because he was so much younger than me. And they and like, if the young guys already got it now, there's no way that they're then gonna go take some old guy like me later on. So I just, that was a moment where I just went, well, there goes that dream. I'm never gonna have to worry about it ever again. And then five years later, I was in Edinburgh and there was, I remember Triple J, there's someone from Triple J tried to get in touch with me a bunch of times. And I kind of was just like, oh, I didn't really, I didn't, re I wasn't really interested in hearing and talking to them because I knew it was going to be for something kind of boring or, or small. It would have been for like a series of interviews or they would have maybe wanted me to be a replacement on like a summer show or so, just something that I was like, oh, I've got other stuff on. Yeah. And then I remember my manager saying, oh, actually, do you know that Tom Ballard's leaving and they are going to, they're, they're probably looking for someone to replace him. And again, I just thought, well, that's not me, you know, like that's, I'm, I'm just so old for that. But I always loved Triple J and I'm, and, and I'd always listened to it growing up and it's a dream job, you know. And so when I went back to Sydney, I remember uh, I was actually in Canberra at, a, at the time and we organized, I was doing this flower festival in Canberra, stand up at this flower festival. And I had to drive back from Sydney just for this, just for this interview with Ollie Wards, the head of Triple J and then Alex Dyson. And really, I just got to Triple J, said hi to Ollie um, and walked into this the room with Alex, the studio. And this is when Alex and I had first actually met. We'd never okay. met properly before or anything. We literally shook hands. How's it going? You know, good, good. Um, and then he asked me about how the drive was down from Canberra. And I told him this story about when I'd driven from Brisbane to Sydney um, a few years before that when I'd first bought my Holden Astra off a friend <laughs> and I'd driven it from Brisbane to Sydney and I got pulled over just outside of Coffs Harbour by this fuckwit cop. And I still think about this absolute fuckhead to this day, right? He pulled me over and booked me for um, travel for driving in the right hand lane, right? And you know how it says keep left unless overtaking. There was no one on the road, and I was. And what had happened was the it, we were single lane, and then we split into two lanes for overtaking. So I went into the left lane, and I was going along, and then I knew that that lane was going to end soon, so I jumped in the right lane because it was ending in 500 meters. And this cop saw me, and then put, turned or did a U-turn, and then fully checked out the car, and then checked did a breathalyzer, asked if I was on drugs and all this sort of stuff, and then booked me for driving in the right hand lane. And I drove back. I drove. The the rest of the way to Sydney with like the whitest knuckles ever, just with wishing such hate on this person. And, um, and cause it costs for $300 and I didn't have $300 back then. And, um, I told that story to Alex Dyson and we sort of joked about how frustrating it was and blah, blah, blah. And, um, and then Alex was like, all right, well, let's get started. And Ollie Ward said, wait, were you not recording that? And we were like, no, I was just, we were just having a chat. And Ollie was like, oh my God, that was so good. You have to record every single time you guys talk. And so, you know, from that point on, it was it's always just been a really comfortable kind of conversation with me and Alex and, and what we do. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes to show like, you know, I remember stories of, you know, when you, you told the story, you went out for schooners, one of the first few nights you've met 
and uh, you know, countless pickups in the old white van on the way to work and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> you know, and you know, it's it's funny when you see like obviously we've never met in person. Actually, yes, we have. I met you and Alex briefly at a Triple Day on Earth gig at the um Sydney one of the Sydney venues. Meg Mack was playing Elfresh and uh, Kingswood were headlining oh. the show. It was a yeah, unearth- was it the metro? Yeah, yeah, I think it was the metro or somewhere in Sydney. And um Yeah, it rings a bell. We we briefly met me and my best mate Brooksy, shout outs to your champion. He's a huge fan as well. And uh, we met oh, briefly, sick. but um I met the doc Lindsay Dr. McDougal and as I was talking to him, my friend Brooksy, huge music nerd, is like, Is that Ian Kenny? And Lindsay shoved me out of the way for a small guy, he's quite strong. And he's straight <laughs> over to him. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And he seemed like a nice bloke too. But, and, um, you know, and then you see, <laughs> you got brushed for Ian Kenny. Damn, dude. Well, I mean, that's fine. I was, a, I wanted to make an anchor joke, but he, but by the time he was gone, I couldn't do it. So, and yes, and it was cool. We, um, he just, Lindsay seemed super nice. And I got a photo with Ian Kenny. That motherfucker is tall, man. Well, so are you, so that probably doesn't make Yeah, you know, uh, that's something that, like, most famous people that I've met, they're either super tall or super short. Like, barely any are in between. So many you go, wow, you're way smaller than I thought. But then so many you're like, oh, my God, you're huge. You're Like, Dave Chappelle's so much bigger than I thought he would be. You know, like, he's huge. He's a huge person. He's a lord amongst men. It's just so, yeah, it's always so surprising. You know, and as the as your time progressed on Triple J, you see you and Alex have this friendship, and time goes on. And you know, you attended uh, one of the most prestigious acting schools in Australia. Did you go to NIDA? Is that where you went? No, I went to QUT, which is like, I mean, it sounds poxy saying it, but it's Queensland's NIDA. It's the same sort of course. Now, fair enough. Well, for those who aren't in the game, you could have said anything, and I would have believed you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's like um, it's like you know, the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art in London. Um, nah, it's, it's just a, it's an all day, it's an all day, five days a week kind of course, you know, yoga yeah. is a subject for Christ's sake. Wow. So, I've done yeah. beer yoga and that's about it. That was awesome. What's beer yoga. So we were in a, where were we? We were in, me and a group of friends, which was, so I lived in England for a time and we went on this, um, like four day trek tour down to the Southeastern parts of Spain. Anyways, so started that we started in Barcelona and then worked our way around, went to the La Martina Tomato Festival. And oh, uh, nice. one of one of my roommates uh, was Spanish and he's, we went to his home. He said, they're doing beer yoga tonight. It'll be in Spanish. Do you want to come? I'm like, what What the fuck is this? So, you know, it's like you do a stretch, downward dog, and then you have a swig, back up, and then you do another. Oh, you're kidding. Was... So it's literally just yoga and then you drink while you're doing it. Yeah, it's kind of like stretching in beers. It's, <laughs> it's I, I realized two things. One, I drank too quickly. And two, I am not flexible either way. Oh, man. I am. I hurt. I hurt when I sneeze now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I have to fully brace. Otherwise something goes in my back. Like it's so bad. I did a, I just did an episode with uh, Mark Fennell just last week. And the weirdest thing happened. It's like sneezes let, allow you to know what the inside of you smells like if it's a good one. And I was, as he was talking, I did a half a fart and like a, like a half sneeze. At the same time, my body, it was like it took an in- internal screenshot. Fuck, it was a weird <laughs> sensation. <laughs> but um, no, it was, it was so weird. But anyways, things you do. Um, I wanted to do, I'm uh, glad you got it on, on camera, man, oh, on audio and it's, camera. It's like, you know that, that chill you get? 
Just air going from both ends. Yeah, right. Like a vacuum. You, you, may, you might have started a dark hole in your, in your bowels. You know, who uh, knows? There's absolutely nothing but garbage in here. I'm a show bag. I'm full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and it's funny hearing you and Alex talk about some of your TV and movie appearances. Um, you know, some honorable mentions. Your time down at Lobster Bay. <laughs> oh, yeah. That yeah. Being on Aquamarine. Actually, yeah, that Aquamarine was a funny one um, because it was kind of my first my first gig, and I had actually been in a fight um, a couple of weeks beforehand, and I'd and I'd hurt my hand. You a bit um, of a tussler, are you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, well, look, I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 always so embarrassing when you think about sort of that sort of stuff. Um, I, I certainly didn't instigate the fight, but I was in a fight, um, and. It was, yeah, just this guy. He'd, yeah, anyways, he'd been abusing me and stuff, just yelling stuff and being really rude. Um, and so I ended up in this fight and, and just, you know, embarrassingly just immature, silly. But I'd hurt my hand and I was in like a, a cast and it came off, I think, I was really nervous because I did this audition in this cast and um, I'd severed one of my tendons in my hand. And I, I was really nervous because I remember thinking that they weren't going to be able to let me film it if I, had to, if I was wearing a cast. There's no way that I could film the, the, the film with a cast on. And thankfully the doctors let me, they cut the cast off or they, they let me take the cast off, the brace, um, like three days before filming. So it was still really super tender. So there's a scene where like I'm in the ute drive, I mean like the in the little Jeep driving along and yeah i'm like yo come on get jump in the bay man loves the bay's going off and i'm like slamming the side of the car like get in the car man and like my hand was killing me at the time i was still so sensitive i still had like sort of scarring on there and stuff but i remember getting so excited about getting the role in aquamarine and i was supposed to be doing a play at university at the time and i had to i had these big arguments with the head of acting at the time that i really you know i wanted to be able to do this movie and and I should be able to do the movie instead of doing the play. And, um, and so they ended up giving me credit for this play that everyone else in my class had to do. So, cause I was going to be in this movie and then they sent me the script for the movie and I, I read it. I looked through it about three times just to be sure that my eyes weren't deceiving me, but no, I did in fact have one single line in the whole <laughs> film. And, um, and that line got voiced over anyway. So it was like, sucks. oh man, but look, the movie is so, it's such a funny thing because it still plays all the time and people still message me about it. Like, Hey, are you in Aquamarine? And, and um, it's, it's like one single line of dialogue, but it's bought me a lot of laughs over the years. So I'm, I'm appreciative of it. That's good. I am. Um, so talking about one liners, I, I've got a story that resolves into a story. So I appeared on mastermind, I mean, in a, in a, in a scrubs onesie, fake doctor. That's right. Yeah, you you mentioned that. Hey, and um, so it went viral, and then I so Mark Mark Fennell posted it, went viral. Then I woke up a few days later, and I'm getting inboxed by Donald Faison from Scrubs saying, "Hey man, I can't believe you did that on national television. Do you want to appear on our podcast, Fake Doctors Real Friends?" I'm like, hell yeah, this would be awesome. So I've you know organized with their producer Joel Monique, and I've appeared in their Zoom call. Had them laughing for a good fifteen minutes. And I don't know if you've ever seen Scrubs, but there's a guy who plays the the Todd. And um, uh, I don't know if I remember. I've definitely seen Scrubs, but I don't know the. the so guy he's he's like the surgeon. He's always going high five all the time. Ah, uh, yeah. And okay, uh, they yep. used to make fun of him 
He's like, you know, so he has one line in the episode. And then so the, the joke is, is that they'd always make fun of him. He'd always be running line all the time. It's just like, I got a high five. I got to be like this. I got to be like this. I got to be intense. <laughs> and uh, it's so, uh, but at least you're in it, man. Your name's on it. So, you know, that's the main yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, that's it. And I was in H2O as well. And that's always on TV all the time. So I had a bit more of a substantial role in that. Uh, and that was a great period of my life as well. I remember I was living, just moved out of home when I got that gig and uh, I drove, it was filming on the Gold Coast and I got to, you know, hang next to these dolphin, um, well, I mean, you know, enclosures, I guess you'd say on, in, at SeaWorld. Um, and it was, yeah, it was just awesome. You know, it was so exciting to have these these gigs. And I mean, they're not substantial in terms of lines or anything like that, but they're things that still exist. And I think that'll probably make my daughter, you know, laugh. In young Sophia, shout out to young Sophia. <laughs> yeah, shout out to you, Sophia, when you listen to Life's a Mitch one of these days. Oof. Well, if only I am, um, I've got, a, I've had, I've had one day on, on a show. I was an actor for a long time at school and I did a few plays and stuff around Newcastle. Oh, and there, really? There's still an acting reel out there of me. Oh, oh mate. Oh, it's, um, Oh my goodness. Even as a 22 year old, I looked about 60. Oof. Anyways. <laughs> so this acting reel goes, gets posted up. It's of a um, man- management company that no longer exists because they were trying it. They were taking too much money from their clients. Sure. Anyways, I won't name them. So gets a call one day and they said, Oh, they want you on set down on home and away near the diner. They want you to be an extra for the day. I was like, Oh, cool. So I've uh, got in the old laser and you know, it used to get speed wobbles at about 80k. So as you can imagine, from Newcastle down the M1, it was horrendous. Anyways, I get I get there and set up and they they sat me down with a couple of Zimbabwean backpackers and we spoke about cricket all day. It was unreal. And, <laughs> and our scene was, uh, I forget her name, but the actress who plays Colleen. It was about 90 seconds of dialogue. And I don't know how many times it takes for someone to go, you who only me say a few lines, then walk out again. But fuck me. I made it through, through four chicken sandwiches and half a, half a strawberry oak. And all that time, <laughs> she just nailed it. Fuck, I was crook at the end of the day. <laughs> and the, 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 the scene they nailed is I had to go for a shit. So they, they've, they've nailed the scene and I'm out having a shit. And they go, right, that's a wrap. And I'll come back. Oh, yeah, we, we've just published it. And uh, you're only just on screen for a second. But anyway. So. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got footage of it? Oh yeah, at Mum's. Oh, they gave me a VHS tape. It's at Mum's somewhere. Oh, but, amazing! Um, it was about ten years ago, was it? Uh, circa '09, I think. Um, yeah, when nice. I was young, young and vibrant, and had blonde locks. Now, it's oh, just there a- you go. I can't imagine Mitch with hair. I know that can most people in my life. <laughs> I'm actually only eight years old. This is how shift working ages a man. <laughs> Bullshit. So, with all of your, all your like your your TV appearances and some of your movie appearances because you were also in house of wax too weren't you well i mean yeah i mean i you know what no i wasn't in that i personally wasn't but my wax figurine was so that was another weird one where we went you know that was my very 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 first what you would say gig when it really wasn't a gig so i was hired as an extra to go out and i thought i might sort of be in the background on a set as well but they actually we all arrived to set on this bus which was out in the gold coast hinterland you know you're going through these hills and eventually you end up in this sort of <clears throat> valley um on a farm that had um so you end up on this valley on a farm that had that built like a little town, you know, like it looked like this little abandoned town on this on this farm. 
And yeah, the director just walked over after we all got off the bus and he just looked at like, he just pointed to about eight of us. He sort of said, you, yeah, that person, that person. Yep. You, you, you all stand over here. And so we all did. And then they were like, all right, the rest of you are going home. And the ones who got chosen, we're going to make wax models out of you. And then we're going to, you're going to, we're going to put the models in this house. Wow. So I spent a whole day with a little straw sticking out of my mouth while they covered my whole face in this molding putty. It's quite an overwhelming feeling because it's actually quite suffocating. And they give you like, um, well, you can't even talk. So they give you, um, your like you have to use your hand to communicate if there's anything that's going on because you, you're not allowed to move and you can't talk because your mouth's completely covered. So you have to, they hold your hand the whole time. And if you get scared, you have to start squeezing their hand and then they'll suddenly like they'll rip all of the, of the putty off and you can breathe again. Do you reckon that's um, so how they, was, do you reckon that's how they molded Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candle? <laughs> in the candle. <laughs> Do, wait, no, I'm pretty sure the vagina candle just smells like the candle. I don't think it, I'm vagina. I don't think it looks like it. Oh, well, there goes, there goes the fantasy. <laughs> there goes that. Sorry, um, to, sorry so, to cut you off. Yeah. Sorry. You, I mean, it's a, yeah, you definitely didn't need to buy 30 of them. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Return to sender, please. Um. So, so yeah. And then when they were filming the scene, it, the whole actual sound studio burnt down. And so they had to, we had to do it all again. I had to go back out there a couple of months later and, and remold myself so they could film it all again because the whole studio literally burnt down. Wow. Hot wax. That's a good song too. Yeah. It would have been, that's a, <laughs> that'll add to the budget, eh? Oof. I mean, that's, yeah. Well, imagine going over budget for too much wax. Thanks, Gwyneth. You yeah. Dickhead. Well, yeah, for burning down the whole studio. Someone would have gotten a hefty bill, that's for sure. Ooh. So coming from there, I've watched uh, many times I've watched the other guy. How did that all come about? Because, you know, it's about it's a it's semi about events that have happened in your life. You're an actor, you're a writer, and you're an exec producer on the show. Um, very funny, mind it, mind you. I've recently again watched season two and one of my favorite oh, moments thanks. one of my favorite moments is the you know the scene out in the bush with the oh with yeah the, uh, with the dentist chair yeah, i fought hard for that Fuck, for that, that was scene. funny man <laughs> with my dad and the um and the, uh, the 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 seeing each other yeah that's that's so funny like tv is one of those things where you know you've got to fight i don't know you got to pick your battles like i worked i fought so hard to keep that scene and it's so stupid like when you're when you're asking people when you're like having arguments about you know it's like no he needs to be watching his dad shit like you know you're having these arguments with people like what am i fighting about like why am i so passionate about this stupid ass scene um but you know, I'm glad that we got there in the end because it's look, it's one of my favorite scenes. It's very, very funny. Um, yeah, that was based on a stand-up show. So I did a stand-up show in 2015 called The Other Guys, um, after the breakup of a relationship, you know, that was um sort of that came about through infidelity and um, you know, I guess um deception and and it sort of really threw me off course. And it was while I was going through you know, starting my job at Triple J. So it was a very tumultuous time in my life. And um, I, I, you know, moving, people moving out and losing friends. And it, yeah, it was, it was a real sort of eventful period. And so I wrote a show about it called The Other Guy and it ended up winning a Director's Choice Award at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. And I just got in touch with an old friend of mine who was a friend of my sister's actually, Angie Fielder. She as was a is a producer at um, a place called Aquarius Films, and they had a movie called Lion Out, and Lion was sort of there was a little bit of buzz about Lion, and it would then go on to be nominated for like six Oscars and stuff like that. But yeah, they got in touch about doing the other guy, and I 
we just sort of developed the show and Becky Lucas came on board as a writer. And, and then, you know, we wrote this character, Stevie. And when we were doing the auditions, the very first audition that we saw was um, someone called Harriet Dyer. And she is just so funny. Yeah. One of the funniest people I know in, my, in real life. And, and it's just such a hoot to hang out with. And so, yeah, it was a real pleasure to work with, with her and, and that whole team was incredible. Actually, Harriet and I had first met very briefly because I used to sit next to her sister at a call center back when we were both broke ass actors, um, way <laughs> really? before Triple J days, way before any sort of decent comedy stuff. While, you know, my mate like Josh Thomas was killing it around, um, you know, around Australia. I was working at the call center selling wine on the phone and... <laughs> Um, yeah, that, that was it, you know, so that always puts things into perspective. Whenever I think, oh man, I couldn't be bothered going to work today or anything like that. I'm like, man, I used to sell wine on the phone and that actually sucked. So you can get up and do anything. Do you think that the secret to being successful in the entertainment industry is to spin a lot of plates? Like, you know, you try your hand at comedy, obviously radio, uh, television, movies. Do you think that's what, like, you just throw a lot of shit at the wall and see what sticks? Do you think, or? What do you think for you? Uh, what, I think what, about what, that a lot. You know, I do question that. I'll tell you what, throwing, spinning a lot of plates certainly put me in a much better position than other people I know when it came to a global pandemic. Um, because if I was relying entirely on, I mean, radio is just the thing that's that's lived throughout this whole thing completely unscathed. Uh, it's been incredible how much podcasting and radio has just been untouched. You know, film sets had to be abandoned. Um, there's no live touring in so many places. Um, but radio just kept going. And if I didn't have that skill set, then I wouldn't be, you know, I'd, I'd be in a lot of trouble. So I think about that a lot. And I'm very grateful for having those various skills because you never know when you're going to need them. Well, Some people just like doing one thing and I just like doing different things all the time. Otherwise I get bored. Well, you're a creative. I mean, I mean, let's face it. You've got, you're a man of many talents. You know, you're, you recently released a book as well, being black and chicken chips. You've been touring. I'm hearing you on the podcast saying you, you're going around doing like act like uh, authors um, like seminars and writers stuff like festivals that. and stuff right, that's like it that, sorry yeah. writers festivals my apologies and also you're a rapper I mean the recent EP Boilermakers yeah 2021 blowing Look, up at the end of the th- at the end of the day it's all just me telling stories that's really all it is I just different formats it's like Mexican food you know like it's like sometimes they put it on corn chips and call it nachos and sometimes it's burritos and sometimes it's fajita. like it always feels like it's the same sort of stuff it's like sandwiches and burgers and it's all the same you know like it's all just the same thing wrapped in a com- slightly different bun that's Ooh. basically what i uh, what i do so really i just bun. like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah you got two two buns actually um <laughs> very taut um nah look I just like telling stories. That's what I like doing. Um, I like entertaining people. And so any way that I can do that, I do it. The comedy is always also is, is like a lot of the sort of minutiae with serious life stuff. Um, the podcast is even more like mundane stuff, sort of even more minutiae because it, like it's just like the everyday life, just how, you know, you think, oh, I dropped a plate yesterday. How can I turn that into a segment? And just things like that, you know, whereas, you know, the TV show takes a lot of 
work and collaboration and effort. And um, that's telling one big story. And then same with the book, you know, you spend two years writing one big story. And then the music is, is, you know, each song really tells a story. And that's the first question I ask whenever I sit down to write a song. It's like, what am I actually trying to say here? What is the story that I want to tell? And the music is probably, it's, it's, it's the least received of the things that I do, but it's the thing that's probably closest to me. So I, I would always urge anyone who is an actual fan of what I do and the other things I do I think you you do well to actually sit down and listen to the what I'm saying in all the music because I think you'll get to know me probably best out of anything in that do you ever get like nervous as to what you share or are you just like you know what this is what I'm feeling on the day and you just put it pen to pad or do you sort of take some time think a little bit some more time put another verse and so on or are you just like one and done out of the studio nah I just try to make sure that I that I like it I mean I never get nervous about what I'm sharing because if it's about me, I'm trying to, um, I try to absolve myself of shame as much as possible because I think that shame is a real burden that people carry. I think people carry shame and things that they've done, embarrassment, you know, they don't want people to know, I don't ever tell anyone about that thing that I did. It's so embarrassing. It's, I feel so stupid or I look like a bad person. And I try to avoid feeling those things as much as possible because I just, I I just think that they can, they're damaging to people, you know, They're, they're what make us, they're what, they're what give us mental health problems. And you know, they, they, they make you feel like a bad person or that you're, you're doing something wrong when so many people do things or have been embarrassing or have thoughts that they can't, you know, that they wish that they didn't have all the time. So I just try to be as open about me and who I am and my experience as much as possible to let other people know that we're all human. We are. And I'm, I'm the same. Like I do this because I love entertaining. I've got funny stories in there. I mean, you've read a few out on there and you cracked up like the one, how I walk in little old lady, getting mistaken for a number two at the service station. That was me. Um, <laughs> and um, there's another one. So I was, when I was uh, 22, I got diagnosed with something called Crohn's disease, which is like an inflammatory autoimmune bowel disorder. Yeah. Shit mm. a lot, you know? And I don't know if you've ever been into Newcastle, but I was getting the train from Maitland. So it's about a half hour trip down. And at this, I'm on the train, the toilet's out of order. I'm like, fuck, I can get to the station half hour. And by the time the train was getting closer, the turtle's head starting to crown. And I wasn't diagnosed at this point. I'm like, I'm having more beers and I need to push out more shit. What the fuck's going on here? Because I'm an absolute alka. You could ask anyone. And get to the train station. It That toilet, there was out of order too. I'm like, fuck. I'm like almost have another person popping out of me. It's ridiculous. So across the road, there was Customs House and the Great Northern Hotel. I said, righto. Sobered up and I'm doing like the, you know, the, the pinch your cheeks the together. Yeah, the, the, yeah, Shuffling yeah. like an absolute dickhead. And I'm over the road. Sorry, mate, you're too drunk. Fuck, mate, I just need to pinch one off and I'll go. <laughs> Sorry, mate, can't come in. And, and then I went across the road, the other one. Sorry, mate, do you want to talk to code? I'm not going to let you into oh, the premises. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm stupid. So next door is a bus terminal and then there's like a walkway along the harbour and the next bar up the road is about 500 metres. So 21-year-old Mitch has decided, I'm going to sprint there and I'm right in the middle of the bus terminal and there's a small piece of me just sliding down my leg. No. And I'm I'm in the headlights. I thought you were going to go on the laneway, man, for sure. But okay, so you're in the terminal. And like, all you can see is like me in the the headlights of a bus that's shining. I'm like, don't look at me. (laughs) So I ran over to the rock wall and my socks undie straight in the water and wiped my ass like this on a rock. It's it's and then the end of that story is I, I ring my friend Brooksy to come pick me up. So like, can you come get me? So yeah, righto. 
I just, he had people in the car with him and I, I told him to drop them off. Didn't drop them off. And I'm sitting in the back seat with guys I've never met before. You can hear is, what's that smell? <laughs> oh, oh, man. No, did you not oh. have a proper, you couldn't have a proper wipe in that no. situation. No, I was, <laughs> oh, anyways. <laughs> I um I was the dickhead and I'm clearly all class. So I thought no. <laughs> so what what this show involves it's it's good storytelling and this next section it's pretty consistent. I like to get people on to have a good old whinge wine soup. And Matt, I was I was curious. Would you like to have a bitchy with Mitchy today? Yeah, let's do it. So there's something on your mind that sort of pisses you off a long term thing or something's happened recently or do you want me to go first so you can think of something? Oh, you go first. Okay. So today, um, like all pandemic people do, you go and you want to get your groceries and even here in this piece of shit place called Curry Curry, um, everyone's just bog buying toilet rolls. Like, oh my God, it's so annoying, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I know it's a first world problem, but you know, you, you get someone with a with a bowel disorder like I do and it's like, well, kind of need these guys. Well, yeah, no, totally. I mean, to be fair, sanitation is not a first world problem at all. So well, it's actually a very much an all world problem. I'm absolutely and, uh, on fire today. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's but that's, but that's like, it is, it's a really important thing, which is why, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I I do find it bizarre that people that people know this situation is okay. Like we will get through a lockdown fine. We have enough toilet paper in the world. I don't understand what we didn't learn from last time that we all need to be panic buying anymore. Yeah, it's it's weird because even here in Newcastle, we can like we can still go places. We just have to mask up. Yeah, fair enough. That's understandable, of course. But like, I I just yeah, I don't understand the the panicking because we still have the freedom to do what we need to i understand that in sydney obviously it's a bit different um but anyways it just and then no, it annoys me man what's annoying okay so i'm just gonna do you, do you, do you want to keep going no that, that was it i just people that just unnecessarily are selfish and don't consider the needs of their fellow man or woman that that's what pisses me off that's mine yeah that pisses me off as well man um what also pisses me off is how the discourse around the vaccine rollout is turning into this weird um, ideology in people's head that somehow Australia has completely bungled its management of COVID, when in reality we've actually done really well, and the vaccine rollout has not been good, and I don't, and I don't think that anyone should let up on that, but. I'm seeing people posting pictures of, you know, London being like, meanwhile in London, look, they're all at Wimbledon. And it's like, mate, there's like 60,000 dead people in holes there as well. And they've been shut down for six months. And like, of course, great. They can go to a tennis game now, but they're not, they're not killing it just because they can finally go outside again after having done it, had a terrible job of it for the last six months. And, you know, and so and the same with America, it's like they did really good with the vaccine, life back to normal, except for the half a million people who died. So what I find frustrating is that, yeah, lockdown sucks, but we have had it so good and we just need to just like calm down for a little bit and realize that we have so many Australians still alive on this earth thanks to the management of how every premier and and even the prime minister has handled most of it and it's not perfect but yeah it really frustrates me when people are super 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 just negative about it all you know over something that really is not that in the grand scheme of things a two-week lockdown is not that bad compared to half a million people dead true and you know so that's me having a little bitch oh that's what it's here for it's 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 for you to 
to unwind and just get it out there in the world. And oh, it makes me so mad. So many experts out there. People who can't, who aren't, who aren't competent enough to file a tax return suddenly have an opinion about how a whole country should run um, a really complex quarantine system in a situation that no one has ever anticipated or expected. Mm. That's what I'd like to bitch about. I, I, so, I, I agree with you there 100%. I mean, especially in places where I live, so not just Curry, but like your small regional communities, the amount of bigotry, the amount of hatred, the amount of like uneducated people out here. Uh, I, so I was born in Dubbo. Uh, shout outs to uh, the Western Plains Zoo guys. Miss you. Anyway, so and the, just the conversations you hear people, so you go to the local pub, say, you know, F and this, F and that, you know, the, the prime minister is a C and this and that. It's like, for fuck's sake, like, what you, you yourself are lucky to be here you you don't work you're you're a fat slob and pretty sure on top of that you're gonna saw yourself later so how's about you shut the fuck up and get on with it i'm mitch kelly <laughs> <laughs> all right well there you go um but look it's been real man thank you very much for having me on your um on your body i really appreciate it i appreciate you um coming on i know i wasn't in my best form today, but no, I, I do appreciate oh, it. Oh, what are you talking about? You're great, man. You're great. Thank you very much. And I, I'll i be listening around the traps on uh, all day breakfast. And Legend. I hope so. You're uh, a fun part of the show. So, it's you know, it's important that you keep uh, keep messaging in, keeping in touch with us. i got some funny stories, man. But until then, I wish you all the best. <laughs> and I'll, I'll I can't ch- wait. Chat to you Thanks soon. Thanks heaps, Mitch.